Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Innovate Within, part of the Started Up Podcast Network. I'm excited today because we have on Tracy Bullock. We had met with Tracy when we were with our group in Arizona, and I got so much great feedback from the students that I wanted to make sure we had her on the show. So thank you, Tracy, for being on our podcast. Well, Don, thanks for inviting me, and it was my pleasure to uh, be a part of the trip you guys had to Arizona. They were amazing, aren't they? I mean, like this year's group, man. Pretty impressive. They were. So l- let me let me back up and explain to everybody. So for, for those of you that don't know, we you know run Innovate Within, and then um, our top 10 teams, we give them a travel experience, and we very deliberately go outside the state. And actually, we always get some questions. Why? If you're wanting to make sure you build up really great capacity for the state, why do you take them out of the state? My answer is because I traveled as a kid. And I always loved saying that. I traveled as a kid and I still stayed uh, in, in, my, in my great state of Indiana because I saw the grass was green and I liked it where I was, but I enjoyed stealing other ideas from those cities. And so one of the things we do is we introduce them to people like Tracy and, and we want them to get a, a certain understanding and, and perspective from somebody that may not be from, from Indiana. And so I will have to say, Tracy, one of the reasons why we definitely wanted to interview you is um, especially our girls I think one girl said, and this is what made my eyes light up. She was, she spoke my language and, and really today's podcast is probably going to be looking through the lens of like, I, a, I have two daughters, but B we're always trying to grow more female innovators, not necessarily just entrepreneurs, but innovators and you know, having that mindset. Um, so when she said she spoke my language, it got me thinking a, um, this this quest to get more girls involved, why has it been a challenge in your opinion? You know, that's really an interesting focus on, on what I try to help people do too, Don, because I think for women, uh, there's so many more women in the workforce. In fact, what, 51 percent of the workforce right now is women versus men. I think that was a statistic I saw last week, but not a lot of women see themselves as leaders of businesses or necessarily innovators unless they are maybe scientists or engineers. But I think as you, the program was so impressive on so many different levels, but I think as you are serving up different styles of communication. Um, You're serving up different ways to show up. I think when when, um, one of your participants said, she speaks my language, she was probably talking about me having some priorities, uh, personal priorities, right? Family priorities, but also knowing I had that, that drive to succeed and the, the skills that I could use to do it. I just needed to find a way to mesh them all together. And frankly, um, entrepreneurship is a great way mm-hmm. to be able to make sure that you can um, match a lot of skills and a lot of strengths together. Yeah. Well, actually, let's let's get into that and why you you were very qualified to 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 speak to these uh, students and and, just, and obviously speak to your clients. Uh, tell us about a little bit about your work and your background. So uh, way back when I was in utero, (laughs) before I was born, (laughs) I started working for Procter & Gamble. Now I worked there for 30 years and (laughs) 
I don't want people to do the math. So I always say I, I started in utero. I started in the womb. But I, I worked for Procter & Gamble for 30 years in the Southwest, across the U.S., and, and finally globally. And it was in my global assignment that I really fell in love with what could I create? What does innovation beyond a brand actually look like? What is innovation in you can create anything? How does that happen? And when I was working for those 30 years, I held 15 different roles across four different functions, right? Sales and sales management, operations, IT. And then finally, the global position was um, developing capability for a brand new business unit. And so I had the security of corporate America, if you will. But for seven years, I had the gift of we don't know what it looks like, so create what, whatever you think would work. And I think that's when I um, fell in love with the, the whole concept of what if. But more to the point, when I had the opportunity to have my golden handcuffs taken off, meaning I could have a full year severance and lifetime benefits, it, it gave me that extra confidence to actually take a step to say, I loved what I did. I loved the creation of an idea. And now I want to go out and do it on my own. So I found a company that I use as a platform of curriculum called Sandler, S-A-N-D-L-E-R. And it really provided me the, the foundation of the psychology of communication. And my mission in life has always been help people develop personally so they can translate it professionally and in all other aspects of their life. Because when you focus on the person and the communication skills of the person, it, it translates to pretty much anything we do. So that's how I ended up um, after eight and a half years in my Encore career, helping individuals at all different stages of their jobs. Mm. You said something that made me really pause. Um, I was being asked not too long ago of, of the backlash of promoting innovation and entrepreneurship. And I, I had this puzzled look and I'm like, huh? And they said, well, entrepreneurship right now is, is tarnished. Uh, people are angry at capitalism. And uh, that's kind of when we kind of redefined what we called the entrepreneur way of being. And I said, we, we've always said, see a problem as an opportunity. Um, because you can be entrepreneurial and not necessarily start a business. You can start a solution. You can start a service. You can start an event. You can do a lot of things. You can be entrepreneurial within your own company. Um, and it, it's, it, it was that when I started to redefine it, um, they said, okay, what are, what are those characteristics? And, and I hated to, to, I shouldn't say hated, um, because this, this term has almost become cliche, but I said at the heart of it really is, is empathy and understanding. And I, I think that that's where a lot of times, um, boy, I'm being really uh, grossly um, stereotypical here, but I think that's why women can excel at the problem solving. Because I think a lot of times, and again, I'm not, I'm not suggesting men are not empathetic, um, but I think that it's, it's more easily found with women. And I think that's why we're not only wanting to get more girls involved in Innovate Within, because you know, it's the right thing to do. But because practically speaking, our girls have done a wonderful job at solving problems and then creating solutions. Um, so in that approach, 
when you said how they communicate and how they conduct themselves, how much um, focus and, and, and effort do you guys put in empathy and understanding? Um, I believe it is the uh, bedrock of every relationship we have. And I would say the reason you've discovered that uh, young women are, I don't know that they have more of it. I think it's just nurtured as, as the, we grow up. Uh, th that's a trait that's typically nurtured in, in the female part of our race versus maybe the male part of our race. Although that's changing drastically over time as roles are becoming defined differently within the family, right? So the role itself doesn't look different, but who leads that role might. And I think um, that part of, part of what we want to uh, talk about is how do we how do we draw that out in everyone? And how do we make sure that taking a risk in suggesting an idea, so suggesting a solution is as important and the discovery about whether it works or not is as important as the uh, problem itself because it's the diversity of thought, no matter where it comes from, that we all learn from. Mm. Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We we could dedicate a whole, everybody. <laughs> well, no, I, no, I, I, right now, um, I have seen this is one of the things that truly frightens me, in the, in the spirit of wanting to get things to be diverse, I think that we've sometimes overlooked diversity of thought, and having a conversation that is tough yet respectable, because the gotcha moment seems to be uh, pervasive. Um, so what you said just really resonated, but I also think um, that approach of giving girls, again, this, this episode more probably on the girl side, that um, having this, the tough conversations and, and not being confrontational. Because again, like I, I got myself and <laughs> we were having this awesome spirited conversation within our own team. And um, I say this lovingly, I was raised by Sue Wetrick and my mom and I raised her voice. Didn't mean that we didn't love one another. Like that's the way, like it was the way we talked and this way, and I don't want to say argued, it's the way we debated. And so a couple of people on our team were like, whoa, 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 why are you mad at me? I'm like, I'm not mad. I'm having a hard conversation. And then, so when I explained it, they're like, oh, okay, we're, then we're cool. That diversity of thought and having this tough conversations, man, Mm, boy, that's, <laughs> let's talk about that. And, and how do you um, get some of your clients and some people you work with to have those tough conversations to get the diversity of thought and to, to foster that debate? Well, part of one of the things I actually uh, recommended um, to your team, because I, I did a, a quick call with them on Thursday morning early, I think, or maybe it was Friday. Anyway, really recently, was understanding everybody's disc style. And there are two things at play there from the scenario you just gave us, right? One is you, if you think about uh, our parent, our adult, and the child that lives in all of us, right? So all three of those figures live in all of us. You learn to communicate um, based on how you and your family communicated, right? We all have the lens of this is how we discuss. 
and, and come to an agreement on different issues. Other people were brought up differently. So we have to remember in conflict that sometimes it's, it's what's conflict to you or to them it certainly isn't a conflict to you. It's just having an adult to adult conversation. And so making sure we preface that and understanding where people come from, probably important. But when you break it down even further to disc styles, you're more direct and certainly more upfront. A lot of people are very, very reserved in offering their opinions or um, wanting to take the risk of making a suggestion um, on anything because they want to make sure their team's okay and that change is not always good and what if somebody doesn't like it or like me right so we have to I think we we just all need to understand just a little bit more where people have been which tells us probably how they'd like to communicate mm. I, love, I love that um <laughs> so Let's just let, let me let me back up and again I'm starting I'm 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 really wanting to to look through the lens of like I like again because this is what we work with predominantly is the the high school mind yeah. uh, and so when I'm thinking about the a 17 year old girl mm-hmm. who might be on a team matter of fact this is this was the case this year we had a couple of teams that it was two boys and one girl um, if if she were a client. Um, what would you um, prepare them to do as, because like, obviously every team goes through twists and turns Mm -hmm. and they make pivots and they make hard decisions. Uh, How would you prep that on, hey, you know, you guys really are at round one of your first ideation, preparing them to go into that confidently and setting kind of the ground rules that they're going to be heard and that you're actually encouraging those tough conversations. How, How do you set that table for them? So on every team I work with, one of the first places I like to start and in fact um, offered to, um, to donate this to, to your, your, your entire project next year when you get to boot camps is have people understand how under no stress at all, um, how, how, what's their style? How would they prefer to communicate? And then I do that for each of the teams and you break it up and you say, okay, so take a look at Here's what each style, here's, here's what you see, right? So that's why you're, pro- and it's like light bulbs start going off then, but then you take it one step further and say, okay, so let's pretend, not that it would ever happen here, but let's pretend that you get a little stressed. Let's pretend that other things besides just this project come up and you get pushed and pulled. So there's a little stress in your life. This is how people react. So knowing that, what can you guys do to um, support each other, but also have an understanding of when you need to adjust and when you just need to recognize what's going on? So you, you get out in front of it, Dawn, and you, you start talking about deliberate choices, right? We, we can react or we can act. And um, you always have a choice to make in your behavior. Your attitude, certainly you, you get to feel however you feel, but like I used to tell my teenage son, he's not a teenager anymore, but when he was, I'd say, he's, I'm having a bad day. I'm like, I'm not, I don't want you to share your day with me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't share. 
Well, I mean, yeah, but let's talk not necessarily about that, but like that situational awareness. And, and mm-hmm. man, here I am talking about like being a 15, 16, 17, 18 year old and, and having situational awareness, but like, how does one do that? I mean, like, you know, do you go over like, okay, you know, if this conversations turn to this, you might want to be in the moment and do that. Or, you know, are, are there examples or instances you give them that are usually, I don't want to say cliche, but like common with team dynamics or like, it, yeah, you, you see what I'm saying? I get like, it. Oh, I absolutely yeah. do. So yeah. So you could literally, especially with high schoolers, if let's let's say they're not taking a gap year, some might take a gap year to get this business off the ground. Some might take a gap year to work, establishing residency somewhere. Some might go to community college. Some might go to, um, you know, four-year university. But regardless, they're going to come in contact with people from different places. They're going to have roommates. They're going to have teachers that either they click with or they just can't stand. And there's going to be conflict. And and the conflict doesn't have to be bad. The conflict, as you said, is situational based on everybody's different lens. So what you want to say is, hey, let's identify what that person might and how they might respond. So you have two choices, respond in kind or diffuse the situation, Mm. right? It, It is so, I wish we could teach this stuff in, middle school because i think that's where we start learning the apps oh tracy okay i'm not going to get try to get too wound up or make this interview about my days of teaching middle school but um there was always one particular story i shared every year because stories put you into that situation and exactly. there, I, mm-hmm. I, I was i was not a nice person in seventh grade and i i made a mistake that my grandmother called me out on and it shook me to my core and i have a hard time li- reliving that story without crying but i always did make sure that i relive that story because you're right these situations like how to deal with conflict is i agree it should be taught and, and and I and I think that we've doubled and tripled down on rudeness and social media gotchaism. And if you must be a Democrat, you must be stupid. Or if you're a Republican, mm-hmm. you're the worst person in the world. Like enough of the labels, man. It's just like it, like we can have conversations as people, and just because because like I, I'm one of those weirds that I love criticism. I, 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 and I, again, I love, boy, I love my mom. This is going to sound like a backhand compliment. My mom was great at pointing things out of like, you're doing this wrong. And I, and it wasn't, I'm not saying it wasn't out of love. It, it was, but I've always liked, are you serious? Oh, cool. Thanks. My marriage, my really successful marriage, this sounds like a humble brag is because Alicia and I talk mm-hmm. like a lot. <laughs> and when I'm making her mad, she'd be like, wait, what did you, what did you mean by that? I'm like, oh, Geez, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> so I agree with you. At a middle school level, I would love for that to to, to happen more often. Um, and okay, you know, let's have fun with this. I, I asked this of, of my guest like three weeks ago. Um, design a class or because I, I one time I asked Frank a couple weeks ago. I'm like, hey, if you had a if you had a had to provide a, cl- a new class into a high school, what would it be? And he said, well, that's easy. Breathing techniques and deep meditation. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, oh, that, that's I love that. Yeah. Oh, this I'm telling you. Uh-huh. uh frank garza i'll have to make an intro i oh, love that yeah. guy i love that guy yeah. but um if if you, and i'm not saying it has to be conflict resolution but if you had 
Um, and let's even be just to, in the spirit of this episode. If you taught a school and it was just girls in your class, what class would it be? What would you teach? Hmm. Oh boy, two, two or three things just topped to mind. So I'm gonna say all three and I think we could probably loop them together with a creative title. Uh, communication skills, um, eliminating passive aggressive <laughs> and um, I don't wanna say empathy. I want to say, um, I, has that word lost its value? Cause it's been used so often. I, I, I yeah, agree. Yes, yeah, but, yeah. but here's what I want to be. Love yourself. That's it. That's it. Love yourself. Hmm. It, so it's almost the no judgment zone, right? And it's, it, you see commercials now since we're, we're speaking. And, and, and by the way, let's answer the same thing for young men too, but the commercials now, uh, so I'm partial to Procter & Gamble, obviously, because I work there, but I absolutely love what they're doing with commercials because they are highlighting with Olay, with um, uh, even with Tide, right? It's doing laundry is not just a, a mom's job, right? You see more dads and, and you see all kids doing their own laundry. But with women in particular, you see people that, of all races, certainly. But you see people with uh, pigmentation changes in their skin, meaning, you know, like uh, lack of pigmentation in some areas and, and big, big, big freckles in others. And you see people from all different countries coming together because they're showing what beautiful is, yes. right? They, they're showing that it's about caring for yourself. Mm. It, it's not about comparing yourself and mm. that is the same thing that young men and and young ladies matured at different stages but but typically go through the but you know as well as I do that guys man they it could be five years difference right six years difference between when they get their height and when they start their voices change. And I'm when, still waiting, Tracy. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> well, I keep saying I had to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up. And then I decided I never wanted to grow up. So yeah. that's a tougher one. <laughs> hey, when you teach middle school for 11 years, that stunted my growth for forever. I oh. still make really bad puns and comebacks. And my wife's like, you really haven't progressed. But no, I, I, I sorry. I, I love that though, because you're, you're right. The constant boy, and it sounds like this episode, I keep bashing social media but that the other side of that, other than the gotcha isms, is the I feel terrible about myself because I'm comparing myself, and mm -hmm. I totally agree. The the and if, like anything, you can have pendulum swings. Like the the self love movement doesn't necessarily mean it's not okay to you know you should still strive to be healthy, but not starve yourself, or you shouldn't beat yourself up because you don't have this exact hair or that kind of body shape or things of this nature. Um, so I, I, I love that. I like, I, I think that we have gotten to this trap of constantly comparing yourself. Um, so, so I, 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 yeah, I really like that class. And ironically enough, Tracy, that's one of the reasons why I started um, this, that wacky class I was telling you about when I taught high school innovation and open source learning is because I kept getting approached by parents and saying, they'd say, you know what they should teach today in today's school? And it would be stuff like this. 
or financial planning. I was going to tell you the other one I would have picked is financial planning. Oh, see, now we're friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yeah. so funny story. And again, man, I just, I always forget sometimes these aren't just conversations. This is a podcast because I love conversations, <laughs> but I will say this one last side story is that I used to teach a thing called, well, I used to have a little, uh, when I was in middle school teacher, we had fiscal Fridays for 15 minutes. I'd teach you a financial concept. And because everything, and like I'd, I'd be teaching the hatchet right? And like, I'm like, hey, this is, you know, you know, talking about, you know, specialization of labor or, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, uh, opportunity cost or supply demand and all these other things. Because I, I do, I, I, I'm passionate about people being financially literate. And, and also these other things you're talking about, uh, you're not comparing yourself and understanding how to love yourself. And man, Tracy, you're a good person. <laughs> <laughs> like, you have validated all my things that I like. And, and so therefore I like you. Yeah, I love you, man. Yeah, love you, man. you're a good person now that I agree yeah. with everything. Um, <laughs> but, no, but, but, but on a serious side, like I, I, I agree. I think these would be wonderful things. And, and, and quite frankly, we have a lot of teachers and, and parents to listen to this podcast. And so um, the, what you would teach in school obviously can, can be taught at the home. Um, just doubling down on it during the school day wouldn't be a bad thing either. Well, but so take it one step further, right? What would those different classes look like? So you have concepts and then you have classes or, and homework that reinforce it. And it's take it home and um, figure out everybody in your family and their disc style. Uh, talk about where, you know, so that's one thing. Then the next one would be when you have conflict, when you see it, it typically doesn't happen over the big things. It happens over people's reaction to tone or the triggers, right? And then take it one step further and say, why does it happen with a, and don't even get me started on clicks of middle school girls, but um, why does it happen with that group and why do you care versus that? And, um, you know, you could, you could build some pretty intriguing conversations in there, um, with lots of different resources. You know, maybe not, maybe my favorite quote about education, um, and the most simplistic quote, so simple that it is genius, um, was from, um, uh, linchpin by Seth Godin. Mm -hmm. And he said, education can be boiled down to two things solving interesting problems and the leadership to get it done. And then that answer is everything. Um, Solving interesting problems, have our students identify what's out there, what needs to be done. But the leadership to get it done is everything we've really talked about today as well. Having those tough, yeah, how to lead, how to to delegate, have those tough conversations. Well, and understanding what a leader really looks like, because obviously I teach leadership, management, sales, and customer service. But when you say to somebody, I'm in a leadership class, every class I start with, every session, I say, tell me what makes a great leader. Write them all down. And I always say, I bet you you pictured somebody in your mind as you did that. Now tell me what makes a horrible leader. And guess which list is longer? Yeah. The horrible leader. So if you take Seth's, Seth Grodin's comments and add one more, do unto others, right? Golden rules, what you learned in kindergarten, um, everything I learned in kindergarten I need to know in life. It's amazing 
how we drop all of those. Yeah. I also, <clears throat> when uh, this is another lesson that, that we had on, on what, like the difference between a leader and a boss. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, right. I'm, I'm, I'm 49. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, a boss was the, and I, I'm, I probably shouldn't name names. Um, well, I mean like, okay. Okay. I'll, I'll, in, in, in the sports okay, world. Okay. Okay. I will. <laughs> well, I will in the sports term. Um, okay. Bobby Knight was Bobby a coach. Mm-hmm. Mike Krzyzewski is a leader. That's right. Jack Welsh was a CEO. Mm-hmm. Simon Sinek is a leader. And, and I, right. and, and by no means am I, am I, am I actually, yeah. I'm saying one is better than the other. I'll just stop right there, myself right there. Like I, I think that that my way or the highway, which used to be glamorized in the '60s, '70s, '80s, '90s, kind of, um, was the my way or the highway. Um, the person that go like I, the leaders eat last, kind of Simon Sinek mentality. I think the reason why it resonates with people now, mind you, sometimes you just have to say "suck it up, kids." But yes, <laughs> you but like, we'll and that is that. also good leadership. Yeah. Okay, so I teach this. This is this is the this is the difference between a leader and a manager. So management has four different roles at any given time. Management, supervising, meaning you oversee everything, you direct the work, right? Then you have coaching. That's one-on-one, helping people be the best they can be. Training is picking up someone's gap between their skill set. Where do you? What do you have? And where do you want to get to and what's the gap? And it's always bound skills, right? So being an effective trainer to help you get the skills and then coaching to use them effectively. And then last mentoring, and it doesn't, you don't have to be a mentor as a manager. You need to find the person. And I, this was one of my recommendations to both the groups as I was speaking is find a mentor. And that person is, yes. that's who I want to be when I grow up. Yes. And then just go say, can you help me? This is why I would, I just respect you for this, this, and this, and I would love to learn this. And you can have more than one person. And mine were both, most of mine were men because I worked, um, I worked in a, <laughs> there were only a couple women in the country when I started working for B&G, right? Uh, but, but they all embodied the same things I valued. And so I wanted to learn from each of them how they did different things. And then a leader is somebody who says, I'm going to envision where not only I want to get to, but where the team I need to, I need to get the team to, then I'm going to enable them to get there. I call it the five E's of leadership, right? Enable them to get there by breaking down barriers, by bringing each of them along and putting it in their terms. Then the execution piece is, is important, obviously, but it's the it's the soft skills of, of, you know, making it a great place to be and, and um, energizing people to move forward in the same direction. Mm. Like that's what a leader is. And go ahead. No, like, let me go over I those things so again. I get so about it. People no. are like, oh my God, no, Trace. I, 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 I am passionate about it too. Go over the ease again. Oh, did we get to all three of them? No, we got, I got to four of them. I forgot the last. Hold on, I'll I'll look it up as we talk. Okay, so here they are. You ready? Yes. The first one is envision. Right. The second one, let me get these in order. Um, 
the second one. Teach this darn stuff all the time. Yes, I I do. I knew. Well, it's so funny because you'd think as often as I do this that I could. I'm like, where? No, but you're totally in the moment, which I I, which I hate to interrupt. But I'm like, ooh, let's say these again, so our so our audience can like jot these down. Envision number one. Okay, five E's of leadership. Envision number one. Number two is enable. Um, number three, let's see if I get there. Oh, yes, I found it. Ha, ha, ha. Um, energize, energize, but it, so envision, which is really creating the future, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, enable, meaning you have to understand what is needed and where people need to go get it. Yep. And that team, you need to enable that team and empower that team. Well, yes, because. Just because you know how to get it doesn't mean everybody else does, right? Then you need to, this is the other E, I forgot, engage. This is where you build relationships and get collaboration. Okay, so you have to put things in place and it takes more than just your team. You have to learn to collaborate outside of your vertical, outside of what you do. Because the more you learn about where things are going or how your idea doesn't just impact the vertical or the um, target audience that you're thinking of, but who else could it serve? And it's when you start asking those questions that you start engaging with the sharing of information. Then um, you need to enable them. This is where you build capability. This is that skill growth we were talking about, right? And the signal for more on capability, Dawn, is exactly what we started this whole conversation around, which is when there's a lack of diversity, mm-hmm. when there's a lack of mastery of skills, mm. or only a few people hold the skill set, you're not building capability. You're you're being selfish with the knowledge. It's the old adage that if I train them to do what I do, they'll take my job. It's like right. No. If you train scarcity. them to do what you do, That's yeah, it. exactly. Scarcity versus abundance, right? Yeah. And the last one is energize. That really speaks to me. I, I I loved all that and and developing that talent and developing that team and then well it, <clears throat> the reason why I started that class my, my class was officially called innovation and open source learning. <clears throat> the innovation side was was and, and I'll admit like when I first started it is because that was a great term in innovation and what is that, mm-hmm. but like learning how to think for yourself, learning to see problems as opportunities. But the open source learning part was like we were talking about earlier is like find some mentors, find people and and by the way people loved it when a seventeen year old would say, hey, I'm in a class where I'm supposed to like open source my learning and I want to learn from you. Mm-hmm. They're like what what. You have a class where you get, yeah, I'm supposed to research people I really want to learn from and see if they'll give me some time. Can I, can I talk to you via Skype call? Uh, uh, yeah. And, and so I agree that, that, that finding um, those mentors, having conversations, having like, and I loved it because like some of the students were like, where did you mess up? <laughs> oh, and, and, and they're hundred percent like, you know, they're not there to impress a 16 year old. So they're like, oh, here, oh, kid, here's where I messed up. And that learning opportunity from that. And, and I and I think that the, the, your five E's um, lay out so much of that, but then also how to 
how to enable that team. Like you said, the, the, the my team should be better than me. Um, and, and I get the joy of, of helping leading it. Like I'll admit on my team, I am not the smartest one. <laughs> but well, even, if you, not even close. If you were, you'd hire wrong. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, and, I, yes. Yeah. And I, I, I think that, oh man, that's another mantra that one of my first bosses told me. I, I shouldn't say boss. My first really good mentors. And when I first got out of college, she says, Don, um, we recruit well, we treat well, and we wish them well. Mm-hmm. And he says, because if I've done a good job of hiring you and identifying who you are, eventually you'll probably want to grow something because you've got the leadership abilities mm-hmm. and I wish you well. And so, um, yeah. Mm. And he energized well, me. And well, those five E's, Bob, yeah. good old Bob Fireman, miss that guy. Um, but yeah, he, he hit all those five E's and, and he, and lastly he did, he energized me where he said, it's been good having you here. Now go fly the coop. It's funny. Cause I, to, to, uh, remember the ease, I pulled up a, a presentation that uh, I do. I think I told you, I do a lot of public speaking around the country. And although lately it's been a lot on zoom, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, um, one of the pictures is, uh, building capability, right? That um, enabling piece. And it has a picture of a cartoon picture of a bird, a mama bird and a baby bird. <laughs> the baby bird's trying to put a parachute on. <laughs> Mommy bird's trying to push the baby bird out. <laughs> you got to try it, right? Yeah. It's time for you to fly. Yep. Yeah. Well, Tracy, I have had a most wonderful time talking to you. I, I Ditto. Be, I, like, I try to get these at 30 minutes because I've noticed that uh, sometimes that the numbers are different when they're over that. And yet, same time, uh, I also don't want to cut a great conversation short. But uh, you're flying the coop thing really brought things home. So I, I wanted to value the, the fact that, number one, you, you have already – um, breathed a lot of life and wisdom into the students that when we were out there in Arizona. And for that, I, I sincerely appreciate you. But even for today's episode, you've really made me pause and think and, and um, you've given a lot of great information to a whole lot of teachers and parents and hopefully some students listening as well. That being said, um, where they like, hey, man, listen to this Tracy Bullock lady want to know more, where should they go? So uh, they certainly could look me up on LinkedIn, right? It's Tracy Bullock one. That's easy. No Ian Tracy. Um, and I love, I, in fact, almost all of your students who came out connected with me on LinkedIn like the next day. <laughs> I'm not surprised. No, no. So I, I told them the importance of it. But um, if they want to reach me uh, specifically around this or if they have questions about Sandler, certainly. But I would probably hit my Gmail account. Not that I, not that I that keep them away from Sandler at all, but I think most of the questions are going to come in how you actually transition from high school moving on and, and what kind of things and choices we have to make. So it's Tracy Bullock, again, no Ian Tracy, Bullock like Sandra, 621 at gmail.com. And right. um, any, any questions, give a holler. Um, if I'm not the right resource, I probably know one. That's awesome. Well, hey, uh, again, appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll, we'll reconnect here again soon. Oh, yes. Thank you so much, Don. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. <laughs>